Hello, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to episode 19 of the Screen Bucket Podcast. Wow, how far we have come. Uh, yeah. Mmm. Mmm. We are right in the middle of being able to drink. Yes. And in what? What do you mean in the middle of being able to drink? I'm sort of thinking 18 to 21. What? Sort of right in oh, the middle. Oh, right, of, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. See? Intellectual conversation. Ah, oh, man, it wasn't very good. No, it, it was rubbish. Yeah, it wasn't. How did you feel about our brand new format? <laughs> good segue. Yeah, it was good. It was more bite-sized chunks and easier to record. I'm not convinced. No? No, I'm going to see how it turns out. Okay. See if we get any feedback. Yeah, I don't know. I've got used to us just chatting. Yeah, but we're just boring people, aren't we? Ramble chats. Let's have a ramble chat. Yeah, but instead we've got music and things. Yeah. It was a stressful record. It was, but that's because your computer sucks uh donkeys don't it will, it will hear you oh, that's true you're fine yeah you're mm. a sexy mac sexy mac sexy mac <sighs> so what did we talk about on the show uh well we talked about uh what we've been up to the past two weeks including horrorcon the yeah. amazing yes film horror festival thing we, <laughs> we talked a lot about horrorcon yeah i think we covered it all yeah, we did cover it all. We there might be some snippets we missed. Maybe. Did we mention the films we watched? We didn't mention the films we watched, and we didn't mention the microphone incident. Oh yes. And but we talked about uh, our choice of film for the week, which was Dog Soldiers. Yes. Magnificent masterpiece of British filmmaking. Absolutely. We go into detail mainly because we met Sean Pertwee, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. The man himself, the In... Cockney champion, the <laughs> Sean Pertwee, Sergeant Wells. That might be. Is that the best film he's done? Or favourite? Uh, it's definitely favourite. Okay, well, definitely. that's good to know. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, quickly, uh, there was one film that stood out at the Horicon. I do recommend people check it out. It's called A Doll Distorted. Uh, the yeah. trailer's on YouTube. Find it. It's I can't even describe how good it is. Find a way to watch the film. Mm. It just keeps on going and going, and then there are moments of, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, many. There are many. Yes, yeah, standout film of the festival for sure. But anyway, let's get to the radio show, shall we? Ah. Ah. Yeah, is <laughs> yeah. that is that yes, positive? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. I'm oh, right, sorry. Let's start. Yes. Oh, this is Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. Learn about movies whilst we get in your job. TV and games and other stuff too. And we're gonna share all this with you. We're going guestless this time. We're back to the standard one-two conversation. <sighs> Just boring old us, but we've had an exceptionally jam-packed few weeks of awesomeness. Oh yeah, we really have. Non-stop. Yeah, incredible. I want this to be our lives now. <laughs> yeah, sleep would be nice as well. Yeah, sleep would be good. What have we been doing? Well, we kicked things off with our first ever live radio show with yes. North Hearts FM from the Bulldog Beer Festival. Which was which went well, I think. It went really well. Yeah. Really, really positive. I mean, you know, the day itself was a bit wet and wild. Yeah. And that Swedish boy who swore. The Swedish boy who swore. You can never trust those Swedes. <laughs> not live on the air anyway. Well, apparently not. But yeah, this is old news now. This was a few weeks ago. But, you know, this is the first chance we've had to talk about it. And uh, yeah, it was pretty good fun. Yeah. So 
The feedback we had, though, was that maybe we don't play enough music, so we're going to try a slightly different tweaky template this week. Stop waffling away and play some tunes. There'll be waffle. Good. There'll be plenty of waffle. Don't take away my waffle. But the waffle iron shall be unplugged for various segments of the show. We're going to try and do it in thirds. We will plug the waffle iron in instead of leaving it in for when the waffle iron needs to be used. Yes, we'll take it out Hmm. and then we'll put it back in again. Yeah, like we're using the waffle line right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously, because it's the intro. We have to talk about what we're doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so yes, that was the first thing we did, the live show. Ah, and then the second thing. Wow. Yes. A Horicon. A Horicon. Horicon Sheffield, 2019. Yes. Absolutely. The original Horicon in the UK, I believe. Yeah, well, what were people saying how long it's been going for? Like five years or something? Something like that. Yeah. I mean, I probably should have paid attention to that. But I it was, was awesome, wasn't it? Too busy staring at all the serial killers and <laughs> sexy costumes. and Absolutely, yeah. So it was in the Magna Science Centre in Sheffield. Well, sort of Rotherham, really. Uh, this massive factory warehouse thing. It was enormous. So something out of Doctor Who or Goosebumps. This really ginormous thing with r- rusty stairs on the outside yeah. and sort of science experiment looking m- statue things on the in- on the outside. Yeah, and just yeah. massive, like, big vast areas where the molten steel would have probably been at some point. Yeah. It was awesome. Uh, and there was, so there was a special guest there. There were loads of trade stalls, loads of people we, we met. We're going to talk about a little bit about later. Uh, any particular highlights for you while we're here? Um, I mean, there's loads of highlights, the after party specifically, but I think in general, <laughs> the fact that we found our community. So if you're like listening and you're a horror fan, come next year, just immerse yourself in it, speak to all these weird and wonderful people and just take it all in. Oh, absolutely. I mean, people who listen to the show regularly will know we are working on a horror film and I think we did the right thing. This was like a recon, 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 recon. Uh, just to see what the environment was like and watch some films and talk to people about our idea. And actually, the few people I did talk to about it loved it. Yeah. We were wearing our Quaggers t-shirts that we had on our crew thing last time that we did filming. Uh, and I was talking to people about it and people were really impressed. So, yeah, very positive. A fair few business cards as well. People yeah, are going to help us. Stack of them. People are going to help us along with various bits and pieces of our film, but we will talk about that later. There were also some really wonderful celebrity stars there. Yes. Which we'll get into later. Well, should we mention one now? Yeah, which one do you want to mention? I reckon we should mention the one who's chosen our film for the week. Sean Pertwee. Sean Ruddy Pertwee. Yeah. He's doing signings, he's doing photograph things. And we nabbed him at the after party, didn't we? Yeah, which I think is a bit of a faux pas in hindsight. Um, He I, was fine. He was fine, but I don't know. I felt like when I... Because I was the one who plucked up the courage to go and ask for a photo. And I kind of sidled in on him when he was in with another conversation. I said, like, sorry, mate, can we have a photo, please? Like some sort of slimy little goblin snail. <laughs> horrible, horrible tipsy fan. Yeah. And he's kind of like, yeah, 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 that's all right. I kind of thought, felt... Maybe if you were him, would you be thinking, well, I know you went to Horicon, why didn't you pay? Yeah, but equally, 
Uh, was he actually doing the photo ops, actually, now I think about it? Yes, he was, yeah. Well, okay, fair enough then. But it was interesting because he initially was a bit hesitant, but he still smiled for the camera, he still did it. Yeah. But then we got talking to him and he opened up. He really opened up. He was a really, really friendly, chatty guy. Like a book of Cockney treasures. (laughs) Cockney film advice treasures. We've got to get the film back together. (laughs) That was my favourite, that was my highlight. Uh, we ma- I mentioned that we were filmmakers and he sort of brightened up and started talking to us. He was giving me directing advice. It was awesome. Yeah. Oh, he's brilliant. But for that reason, because we're so amazed and... Uh, we didn't even talk... We didn't even ask him about Gotham. I did. I said, when's the final series of Gotham coming out? And he was like, oh yeah, I just flew over from doing that, actually. Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> he told us quite a lot about his personal life, actually. Yeah, quite interesting. About- about his wife and his holidays and yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but because of our our wild fan girly squealiness of having spoken to him what film have we chosen to discuss later on the mighty 2002 dog soldiers oh dog soldiers mm. yes can't wait to talk about that but as we say we we've got a new format to play with between now and then mm. so the film chat will be a little bit later in the show between now and then, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Horicon and some observations. Yes. And a couple of film reviews as well. Um, I think we should play the first of our many karaoke treasures. That's a thing we're going to talk about. Oh, at, yeah. At the after party, we did a bit of karaoke. I started with Come On Eileen. Yeah, you didn't choose to start, though, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> no. And in hindsight, Come On Eileen is a really freaking hard song to sing. Yeah. Well, people were very sympathetic with you afterwards, which I don't know. I would have felt offended by that, personally. Yeah, good job. Good yeah, job. Yeah, well, that was really hard. Yeah. yeah. Well done. You pulled through, though. You got to the end. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so the first of our songs is Come On Eileen by the... Dexies Midnight Runners. As heard on karaoke and in Preacher Series 2. You mean it? You in that dress, my faults I confess, but I come on, Ali. You have one message. Message one. Hello! It's Mike Myers here. You saw lots of me at Oricon. I just want to say I can't find that lorry woman anywhere. I've been looking around the town. I've been looking in the suburbs. I can't find the bloody girl. I need to kill her. I need to stuff my nerve into her eyeballs. Oh, just get back to me if you find the stupid woman so I can end her life with my bloody knife. Quiet on the set, we premiere in three, two, one. You're listening to Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. And that was Chelsea Dagger by the Fratellis. Ooh, that's a song I always think of being in the pub when I hear. Yeah, do you picture a load of rowdy fans dancing around or a load of rowdy fans punching the living daylights out of each other? No, I imagine to being sort of slightly miserable and sitting in a dark pub. What, and it just being on in a jukebox. Not matching your rhythm at all. You exactly, just want yeah. to fester in your own misery. But it's just the someone, someone's put this on the jukebox. Yeah. You get some random. <laughs> yeah, as heard in Hot Fuzz. Oh, a little linky there. A little Edgar Wright linky going on. Mm. Yes. And yes, what? We played it. 
We did play on it. On our first ever live show. It wasn't the first song we chose to play live, though, was it? No, the first song. And I didn't... I We were just scrolling through the songs on the program. Yeah. And Limp Biscuit Rolling popped up. And I was like, I know that song. I don't know any of the other ones that I can see on that screen. So I just said, yeah, let's play that. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we're playing Rolling to a field of, I don't know, children. Yeah, so we were at the live... It was the Bulldog Beer Festival. We joined Dan and Kev, the Dan and Kev show... Uh, half an hour before our slot, mainly because we didn't know what buttons to press. Yeah, so shout out to those guys for uh, showing us the ropes. Yeah, well done, Dan, for, uh, for directing us to the knobs and whistles and things. Yes. Um, I think I picked it up fairly quickly because I was allocated the buttons, wasn't I, Rob? I was so happy. I was like, oh yeah, you go over there and just speak into the microphone whilst Adam has to control <laughs> the children's voices. And decide when the rain is too loud and put a song on. Yeah, so we ended up having, um, well, be, including the half an hour of Dan and Kev, an hour and a half slot, pretty much. Hmm. An hour was us. We had all this stuff planned, didn't we? Yeah. All this stuff. Didn't use any of it, did we? No. Well, maybe one, one bit, thing. maybe. Because live is interesting, isn't it? You just kind of buzz yourself up full of energy and then just see what comes out of your mouth. Yes, and we kept having uh, guests out of nowhere because we were the last show of the day we suddenly seemed to have lots of children join us in the yeah in they the were cabin. they were hard work well they weren't they, hard they, they were fine they were very well behaved except for the silly swedish boy silly swedish boy uh, yeah mm. yes. i can speak english i read it in a book all right let's not abuse them they're probably listening <laughs> they were great guests because great, we're... Great, great guests <laughs> We're only bitter because it started hailing and there was a very loud swear word before you put someone. Sorry, sorry for listening. Sorry, sorry, Sweden. Sweden, now you're a great country. We've seen this. We've, we've seen the trailer for Midsummer. I don't want to annoy them. Oof, God, Oof. Didn't, didn't put them down as a culty, culty lot. Wow. <laughs> well, someone said. Someone I know went. Why is everyone scared of the Midsummer sound trailer? It's what Sweden's like. Oh, let's not go there. Imagine if someone made a horror film in Sweden about uh, Morris dancers. Well, Morris dancers are probably the most terrifying thing known to man, so... Morris! Mm. Is that what they do? You hit the stick and you yell, Morris! Do you? No. I lied. I took that from Dom Jolly. Oh, right. (laughs) Adam's Film Reviews. Pokemon Detective Pikachu 2019. Welcome to Rhyme City, a celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. Tim, your dad was a legend in this precinct. If you were anything like your dad, I remember you wanted to be a Pokemon trainer when you were young. Yeah, that didn't really work out. Someone there? Whoever you are, I know how to use this. Oh, jeez. Here we go. I know you can't understand me, but put down the stapler or I will electrocute you. Did you just talk? Whoa. Did you just understand me? Oh my god, you can understand me! Directed by Rob Letterman, 
Pokemon Detective Pikachu is the first live-action entry into the 23-year-old Pokemon franchise. Bloody hell. Based on the 2016 video game Detective Pikachu, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, the film I mean, has been on every fan's wish list for decades. When the trailer landed, it was big, big news. Fully fleshed out and realised pocket monsters in the real world interacting with Pokemon trainers and the like. I mean, that's pretty incredible. I mean, imagine seeing Pokemon battles in full 3D. Imagine the majesty of seeing a rare and elusive Pokemon being caught in a Pokeball on the big screen. It's with some regret then that the opening monologue to the whole film basically tells the audience that this is a completely different story where Pokemon are allowed to roam freely, where battles are banned and trainers are a thing of the past. Oh, awesome. So basically pipe down, sit back and let's tell our story and you know where the door is if you want to see Ash Ketchum again. I mean, I admire their bravery. Pokemon Detective Pikachu starts off in a completely different place, introducing us to Tim Goodman, a 21-year-old who lost interest in Pokemon training after the death of his mother, and then finds out that his father's died in a car crash. Yeah. Tim soon heads to Rhyme City, a haven for Pokemon to live with humans side by side, where he meets Lucy Stevens, a journalist looking for her big break, and, well, Pikachu. But this Pikachu is a little bit different. For one, he wears an old Sherlock Holmes deerstalker. Oh, and he can talk. Revealing himself to be Tim's father's sidekick, Pikachu admits that he's lost his memory and recruits Tim to help follow his trail to discover what happened to Tim's father. The trail takes them across Rhyme City to the sunken depths of an underground battle arena, to the vast heights of society, all on the trail of Tim's father's disappearance. And the origin of a mysterious purple gas that drives Pokemon to the point of insanity. But what is that purple gas for? And what nefarious plans are at work behind the scenes? Only Detective Pikachu, Tim and Lucy can find out the truth. Okay, so Pokemon Detective Pikachu is good. No, it's, it's great. If all you've ever wanted is to see Pokemon in the flesh, then you will be blown away. Likewise, if you're a fan of Ryan Reynolds, then you're absolutely going to love Pikachu in this film. He's as sassy, sarcastic, and surprisingly raunchy as you would expect. If, however, you're expecting a more complex plot with twists, turns, and a satisfying ending, eh, you might find it lacking. Likewise, if you're looking to see a film full of Pokemon battles, Team Rocket speeches, Pokeball hurling, and Pokedex entries, eh, you might just want to tune into the old anime. There is a surprising lack of Pokemon content in this Pokemon film. At the end of the day, it's fun, it's different, and it's unexpected. If nothing else, it's worth watching for the sheer novelty of watching Ryan Reynolds singing the classic theme through tears. Oh, and one final point. If you're planning on watching this at the cinema, then for God's sake, find a time where there are no children. I'm pretty certain none of the ones in my screening understood what was happening. At least that seemed the case. They were asking a bloody lot of questions the entire time. In my head, I saw that differently. It's us at the podcast again. Hello. Hello. Uh, so, Rob, we went to see a film. Yeah, a film I've been waiting for since I was nine. Wow. Live action Pokemon. Live action Pokemon. Yes. Detective Pikachu with Ryan Reynolds and some other people. Justice Smith. Is that his name? Justice Smith. 
Okay. From the Jurassic World movies. Oh. Hipster comic relief character. Oh. Oh, all right. Yeah, anyway. (laughs) Detective Pikachu, what did you think? I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. It wasn't what I expected. Which is both good and bad. Hmm. It didn't feel very Pokemon-y. No, it felt it felt like a animated Pokemon movie where they go off the beaten track and start making up new science. Mm, yeah. Like there's sort of people being switched over with Pokemon and stuff, which mm. happens once in the games, actually. People remember Bill on top of Cerulean Cape. He got transferred into oh, yeah. a Pokemon's body, and then you had to press the button to switch it back. Oh, so, yeah. I guess that is in it, but all the same, it wasn't like a straightforward linear Pokemon game with like legendary beasts and so well, on. Well, there was only one Pokeball. There was only one Pokemon. There was no Pokedex. No. There was no that. It's those little things I would have liked to see more of. His... I would have liked to get see them get trapped inside the ball, so we see what the inside is like. You know that kind of. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the trouble is, is people the likes of Petter and animal organisations were pulling their hair out from the moment Pokemon was created, and that's just the games. Mm. So what I think the filmmakers thought is they needed an entry level Pokemon for people who didn't understand that this was just humans forcing monsters to fight. I guess so. Well, it it very quickly in the intro, it very quickly says. In, in other words, it says, meh, forget about all of that. Yeah. Forget everything. In other you know. regions, look yeah. at this awesome thing that's about to happen. Check out London. Yeah, check out London. Yeah. And that bloke just walking <clears throat> walking along next to his Charmander. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it looked good and the monsters looked great. You did you pointed out, though, they obviously didn't have that big a budget because there was only so many Pokemon. Yes. And I would solve that equation by saying that. Each region has Pokemon that are exclusive to it. Maybe in Rhyme City, those are the Pokemon that are common in the wild in the surrounding areas. And there's that's a lot of Pokemon. Squirtles. Last Charmander's a lot of Squirtles. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Uh, Pidgeys in abundance. Well, that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Monkeys, there were the monkey ones. Apoms. See, this is the thing. I only know the first 151. I know all of them. Oh, wow. Mm. What, what's 407? I don't know all the numbers, mate. Come oh, on. see, I know all the numbers. 151. Oh, yeah. yeah. We learned that in school, don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little poster up in my classroom. Oh, go on then. Give me. Okay. Well, I might not be that good. I, I can probably list them in order, but give me a number. See if I'm working out. Uh, 52. Raichu. No. Raichu. He's, he's no, 24. 50. Voltorb. No. What is it? Voltorb's 99. Oh, what's 50? I think. 50. Where's he 100? 52 is somewhere around the Rapidash region, I think. Or maybe... It's one third in, or is it one of the fighting ones? 52. Meowth. Oh, that's a surprise, actually. Uh. I know 12. Do you know 12? Uh, Okay, so Charas... So Blastoise is 9. Uh, Butterfree. I think so, yeah, yeah. Woo! See, I probably know the early ones more than the... Uh, 124. Gyarados? I, I feel like that's in the fossil region. Oh. Uh, Kabuto? Jinx. Oh. Oh. The Pokemon that we shall not speak <laughs> the of. One we shall not, oh. The one that co- almost caused a race war. <laughs> Till they made her purple. Purple, yeah. yeah. It's a, a, a 
domestic abuse war. Anyway, move on. Back to Pokemon. Uh, I would say that the opening scene when it goes into the very traditional looking Pokemon town and the Pidgeys are flying along together and you're introduced <laughs> to the world yeah, yeah, yeah. was absolutely magical. And the Gengar versus Blastoise fight was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Wanted more of it. They kept switching between the dialogue and going back to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the best bit, which I just wanted to continue, I just wanted to jump into that film, was when they had a reference. This, when you're saying at the start, uh, in other regions, they have battles. Yeah. And there was sort of an amalgamation, amalgamation of Gary or Blue with a Gyarados and an Arcanine. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then Red rocks up. It has to be Red because he's wearing the whole gear. He's got his Pokeball. What's he going to throw <laughs> out? And then we've taken away from it. Yeah. It's like, I want to see what he's got. He's going to have a Charizard. I think that's probably best left as a... Oh, filming though, itself. Or, yeah. or yeah, exactly. Definitely. Ryan Reynolds was incredible. Yeah. I mean, that was proper, real, genuine comedy. Very adult, a lot of it. Yes. Oh, and you've previously had issues with the um the, the uh, farting was minimal. It was. It wasn't as obvious. No. I thought, in they, the film. they toned back on the farting. I think there was one fart, maybe two at the top. It's not. Is it not even? It's just a reference to it. I think. And given the. It's a kids' movie, and there's loads of kids in the cinema. The kids enjoy a fart joke, so it's not a big deal. We can give them, now, we can give them a fart joke. Let's mention the kids, actually. Shut up! Those stupid little. Well, <clears throat> yes, I mean, yes, shut up. But also, there was at least one kid I could hear, because they were ruddy noisy. There was one I could hear who had no idea what was going on. Why? why? They were asking their parents what was happening. Like, what's that, uh, There's one, two seats away from me, I think. I think he's right in front of you, actually. He was saying, um, Mummy, why is that one not talking? And why is that one talking? And the mum's like, I don't know. Watch the film. Didn't you say that one kid said, why does he not oh. have a daddy? Or no, something? yeah. there's Yeah, there's a bit of a tragic bit where we find out the main character's an orphan. And the ki- little girl right behind me said, um, Is Mummy and Dad dead? And, like, oh. and then random moments throughout the film out of nowhere she'll say is mummy dad dead oh, oh no <laughs> oh, oh thing, one thing to take away from a fun Pokemon film your parents will one day die yeah nice isn't it mm. um, speaking of oh sorry sequel uh. how is the sequel going to work we can't do it without spoilers we can't do it without spoilers but it can't work it just no. can't work. Uh, Unless was... they undo the stuff they do in this film. I googled it uh, yesterday mm. about the sequel. Yeah, yeah. And one of the people involved with the making of this one said they wanted a Jigglypuff-focused film. Okay. So, yeah, but equally, nah. I get it, but it's a whole film. Let's move on. We've got this one out of the way. Let's get into the Pokemon. We don't have to have Jigglypuff walking around solving um, crimes. And let... <laughs> I mean, that's a sentence that does just appeal to me on many <laughs> levels. Especially if it's film noir, Jigglypuff. Yeah. Jigglypuff. Anyway. I was singing again in the Velvet Ballroom. <laughs> the bra wild in me like a butter, butterfree into my net. Everyone was falling asleep. Every time. And that was Tom Hark by the Piranhas. Ooh, why did we play that? Because it's the only music piece in Dog Soldiers that was actually usable. Yeah, everything else was... Sort of rubbish. 
Mm. Mm. Dog Soldiers, then. Yay! 2002. Let's not start on a negative because we love this film. Yes, we do. We love this film so much. Written and directed by Neil Marshall, who is a low budget, was a low budget filmmaker. He now does quite big stuff. Game of Thrones, yeah. Lost in Space. Yeah, just did Hellboy, didn't he? Just did Hell. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll move past that. Uh, yeah. What a film. Yeah, we chose. As I said before, we chose this. Pretty much because we met Sean Pertwee at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he might be our favourite person at the moment. He is. Our, he's my favourite man, yeah. Yeah, I mean, genuinely. Um, Dog Soldiers is soldiers versus werewolves. Yeah. That's, that's it? The, that's the tagline. British... Brit, what is the tagline? Well, it should be that. Six men, full moon, no chance. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> So this is, I said that in an American accent, I shouldn't have done, because it's the most British film Do ever. Do it in a Sean Pertwee accent. Six men, full moon, no chance. Better. Uh, what happens in Dog Soldiers? So we start off with a lovely romantic couple. They're camping, and then the lady says to the man, Oh, I got you a present, it's this silver knife. A silver knife? Whatever could that be used for? Who knows? In a film about werewolves. Yeah. Hmm. Chekhov's letter opener. <laughs> but yeah, so they're having a lovely time. They're in the tent after that. They're canoodling. And then all of a sudden, the zip starts to go up. Mm. What's going on there? They're frozen with fear. All of a sudden, the woman is grabbed and lunged halfway out the tent. Cue slashing, ripping, gory noises. Oh, yes. And it is heavily implied that she's ripped in half. Oh, yes. And the half is left in the body. The man is left frozen in fear whilst snarling and whatnot comes towards him. And boosh, we're in. We're yeah. in the film. We're in the film. Yes, what an opening. We cut straight to Coops in the Scottish Highlands. Coops played by Kevin McKidd. Yes, and he's been... Uh, He's on a mission, and we we learned that it's like a training mission. He's best, he's top of the class, but eventually gets caught. He's trying to evade capture for as long as possible. Yeah, he's he's training with the special forces led by Captain Ryan, Captain Richard Ryan, played by Liam Cunningham. Yes, uh, Game of Thrones fans, you'll know him as Sir Davos the Onion Knight, playing the polar opposite character. <laughs> he's a wrongun, isn't he? He's a baddie. He's very much your well-spoken British baddie. Yes. With like, to a T. To a T. And he does the TV trope cliche of kicking the dog to show that he's a bad guy. Yeah, except he shoots the dog. Except, yeah, he very much, metaphors be damned, he literally shoots the dog and shows us that he's a baddie. Yeah, so we're, we're, we don't like this man straight away. Yeah, Coops, on the other hand, refuses to do that, and we're on his side. Yes. Simple as that. Yeah, and he's punished by... Well, you're not joining my team. You're not joining the special forces. Yeah, he, so he ends up just with basic squaddies, really, led by in a team of six men, led by Sergeant Harry G. Wells, yes. led by Sean Pertwee. Oh yes. Um, you've also got Private Spoony, played by Darren Morfitt. He's like the he cracks jokes and he has fun. Yeah, he's that one. We've got Private Joe Kirkley, played by Chris Robson, and some other ones, and also Corporal Bruce Campbell. Corporal Bruce Campbell, yes. Because Dog Soldiers, as openly admitted by Neil Marshall, it's referenced to everything he ever respected or liked. So the soldiers themselves, their banter is heavily based on his dad and grandfather, who were army men. Hmm. That's why all the gallows humour comes into it constantly. Absolutely. 
and there's a lot of it as well. You've got references to Evil Dead. You've yeah. got Aliens comes up later on. It's awesome. Yeah. It's it's so in tune with my brain. Uh, yeah. It might be one of my favourite films. No, I agree. Agreed. Um, but yes, we we see a squaddy. They're on manoeuvres in the Scottish Highlands. They're doing some silly training exercise. Yeah, they're sort of versus the SAS. Um, and while they're navigating the Highlands, they stop around the campfire and we all get this really nice moment where we all meet all the characters and hear all their stories and get to know everyone. Uh, we hear a really harrowing story from Wales, immediately cut in with a joke from Spoonie. Ah, friendly banter, yeah. everyone's friends. And then cow! Yes, oh my God. <laughs> cow from the sky. A cow falls on the camp. Yeah, and they all, they all go absolutely berserk. And at no point whilst they're running around does anyone say, let's go see where that cow came from, which is brilliant. <laughs> they're just like, right, two of you go and look out. You two, get your heads down. And that's it. Yeah. The cow's been torn apart instantly. It's not been shot or anything. It's been ripped. Ripped to shreds. And this yeah. is following in a scene prior. Um, what's his face? Main character? Coop. Coop's. Coop says before there's been disappearances and they've only ever found ah. remains. So they're kind of pegging something up in this neck of the woods. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, the next morning, anyway, they Coop uh, Wells has a change of heart, decides he's curious now. Yeah. <laughs> and they decide to follow the trail of blood left by the cow to where it came from. And that's when they find the ruined site. They find the SAS camp, mm. where the SAS soldiers have been replaced by puddles of goo. Yeah, very predatory guts and slimy goo. Yes, absolutely. Bright, fluorescent puddles of guts and slime and blood. I do wish we watched this a bit earlier, because it might have changed our uh, our own horror movie slightly. The effect I would have taken is when the, the boot comes up and the slime yeah. kind of sticks to the boot. Oh, If we yes. could have replicated that. Oh, we still could. Yeah. We still could. They find that all the radios and stuff have been damaged. They find their own radios not working. Yeah, and they've been chipped. They've been tagged. They've been bugged. Yeah. So something's going on. Yeah, something out of their hands. Mm. And this is when an old foe pops out. Captain Ryan, who Coop thought he was well shot of. He just pops out from behind some boxes. He's got a big gash on his face. He's gibberishly talking about... that. We thought there'd be only one. Yeah, we thought there was only one. Uh, only one what? Oh. So they are aware that something's out there. They realise night time's falling, so they start moving off. And they move off directly into a Christmas tree area of a garden centre. <laughs> I mean, not really, but it looks a lot like it. Mm. Uh, where they get attacked. So the first fatality belongs to Bruce Campbell. Yep. Who is... Uh, who some... runs fast enough to impale himself on a branch. Yeah, like all the way through. And then some. The whole way. Yeah. There's a <laughs> foot or two of branch... After his body. Yeah. He wasn't even running that fast. Yeah, he wasn't. He was just sort well, of skipping along. He is Bruce Campbell. Mm. Mm. Uh, Wells finds him as he gets attacked himself and gets slashed across the belly. Oh, and we see guts. We see guts. Coop, after this, uh, you know, manages to shoot the attacking werewolf away. Mm-hmm. We know now it's a bloody werewolf. 
Um, so yeah, so Cooper and Wells, they're scarpering away, limping along, and they run into a Range Rover driven by Megan. Yes. A curious character. A curious character who just happens to be in the right place at the right time. So she gathers all the squad up, the remaining squad, and they drive off to a, a cottage in the woods. Yes. And the cottage is where the fun begins. Yes. We spend the rest of the film in this place. The soldiers basically barricade themselves in and try and work out what to do next. Yes. Very much Night of the Living Dead sort of style. 100%. Yeah. It's like barricading the windows, blocking the doors, um, and counting their bullets, really. Yeah. We start to see lots of references to, like, Zulu. There's a speech with Rourke's Drift music playing in the background. It's like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, they just it's just kept so British. And then there's this <laughs> constant football match going on. Is this? Yeah. I mean, it's based around, obviously, England's famous thrashing of Germany 5-1. Yeah, as we yeah. Find out, that's but, the background, um, yeah. <laughs> but then, what, what does uh, who is it? Is it Spoon? It's a uh, private Kirkley Joe. He asked Megan at one point, Oh, I wish I knew who won the match. Oh, is there a game on? It's not a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a big laugh. Brilliant. The room. <laughs> so, there's all of this Britishness, British manly hooligan soldieriness, sort of personified by Pertwee himself. Oh, yeah, which just oozes Who's manic. And swearing, and the the language is used in a funny way. Yes. There's just these little moments where they just react like you would expect to react yourself. Oh, massively. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and the one bit when Spoonie's like hammering you, they're under attack by the werewolves. He's trying to hammer a bit of wood into the door to block it off. That's hammering the hands. The, the, a paw comes through the letterbox. He's just hammering the hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really... The action's really cool. The action's really interesting and there's lots of blood and splatter and it's awesome. But what works really well is equally the, the low points. Yes. The moments of calm. Definitely. There's a... The the whole thing of being trapped in a cottage with people who want to survive and then you've got this... You've got Captain Ryan in the chair who's kind of goading them through. Getting under their skin. Getting under he? their skin all the mm. way along. And that rising tension is utterly perfect for a film like this yeah. they nailed it like beautifully oh it's absolutely phenomenal really i mean some of the shots were a bit funny a bit weak some yeah of the music's a bit weak but it all works so well mm. uh there's one scene we have to talk about though oh yes so sean pertwee sorry sergeant wells um has been wounded badly as we mentioned they're trying to megan and coops are trying to sew him up with super glue and whiskey and uh, he's not enjoying it. He, he's really not enjoying it. I'm, I'm assuming this is a deliberate decision where the director said, let's get Pertwee absolutely wasted for this scene. Because <laughs> that's what they did. Yes. Well, he we know he was drunk. Yeah. He may not, it may have been that it's low-budget filmmaking. The whiskey bottle was just whiskey. Yeah. And he Do had to drink want. so much. Um and he, he's basically the pain's too much, so he asked Coops to punch him out. And the first punch was a stage punch. And then he comes back and he punches him again. And that time he really hit him in the face, right on the nose. But he didn't notice because he was smashed. Fantastic, <laughs> amazing. But watching watching that scene with that knowledge changes it completely. It's amazing. Can I play a clip of that bit? Just do it. Just do it. All right. I'll tell you what, I love him. I love you! Like the mate that I that I love. Would you like to be alone? 
I'll stick. You bombs. I'll tell you something, something bad stuck in Sucas in Siri really starting to hurt. Cooper. Knock me out! Hit me! Oh yeah, see me! They were interesting well, I actually really love the design of the werewolf in this, but it's not like they're not manly, they're quite swanky. And they're very long and thin and effeminate sort of thing. Yeah, they're very lift. They look like dancers. Yeah, they're kind of controlled by a top-heavy sway, which makes them. I don't. I wouldn't say. I mean, they are comedic, but uh, I don't think they are. I think they're actually quite sinister for what they are. Yeah, I mean, they're if, very otherworldly. I suppose. Yeah, you add the otherworldliness to the fact that they cause absolute carnage and rip. Some of these yeah, soldiers to shreds. That's where the fear comes. Yeah, that's where they become sinister. Well, part of what makes it so good as well is this. This was two thousand two, and the filmmakers were sick of all the CGI in films, so they out went out of their way to make costumes for people with animatronic faces. That was two thousand two, and it made. I wouldn't want to watch this film if it was CGI. No, no. It's the fact that you can touch them, the fact that they look real, the fact that they look, they are there. It makes it what it is. Yes. You know, absolutely no chance for CGI for me in this. And modern filmmakers should take note, I think. This is a film that, as low-budget filmmakers ourselves, this is like the gold standard. Yes. Regardless of all other cinema, this is something you can achieve. And to be fair, I think it stands out as one of the best British horror movies ever. Yes, definitely. Because they nailed everything. I mean, music aside... Yeah, the music was lame. There were scenes where there probably should have been music, but there wasn't. But the characters, the dialogue, the baddie, the monsters, the every single aspect of this film was done perfectly for what it is. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, couldn't recommend it more. Watch this film. If you haven't seen it, why not? Yeah. If you have seen it, watch it again. It's awesome. Yes. I would say this should probably go into the Holodell Media Hall of Fame. I think so. It's also a bit quaggers. Yes. I mean... It's very not, deli- not deliberately. No. Maybe subconsciously. Let's put on a song you've chosen. Yes. Um, I remember someone singing this at the Horicon karaoke. Uh, it is in Eurotrip and other films. 99 Luftballons by Nina. Yeah. I feel it in my throat. I'll feel it in my eyes. Pollen is all around me. Why can't these flowers die? Stream bucket on no part FM. People. Hello, it's James from Team Rocket here. Just a quick word to say that I found it very offensive that I wasn't in Pokemon Pikachu. I mean, the Pikachu is mine. Isn't that right, Jesse? Yes, the Pikachu is ours! We'll get that stupid swab next time! Ooh, what a delicious idea, Jesse. Let's work our way into Ryan Reynolds' kitchen and then we can find a Pikachu. Yes! Nick's Game Reviews. Rage 2. 
When Rage 2 was first announced, we all wondered why. The first Rage was not a huge success by any stretch of the imagination. Some liked it, but most felt it was boring, empty and not very well made with little to no story. Last time I played it, I glitched and fell through the floor into some underground cavern, that's how badly made it was. But the trailer for Rage 2, and every trailer since, has been full of bombast and mayhem, with bright colours and great music. The complete opposite, right? Well, upon starting Rage 2, you'd be forgiven for thinking that Bethesda had made the game look way more fun in the trailers than in the game itself. The opening mission was very basic, and every now and then you'd be introduced to a new character, and there'd be a Guy Ritchie-style introductory freeze frame. In all honesty, it feels like you're at Chessington World of Adventures, with a tour guide telling you just how fun everything is, when last year you were at Alton Towers and you know what real fun actually is. But you're being polite to the tour guide in the hope that maybe the really fun stuff is just around the corner. In this analogy, Alton Towers is Doom 2016. So I stuck with Rage 2, hoping beyond hope that the trailers would prove truthful. And oh boy, they really do. Thing is, it takes a while. The more you play, the more skills and weapons you unlock, and the more ways you find to kill the enemies. The game doesn't just give you everything and say go for it, which is why I expected when I started playing it. No, it gives you the opportunity to play around with each ability and weapon before it gives you the next one, so that you can get some skill together and work out the best ways to use those abilities and weapons. And that is what makes Rage 2 such a wonderful game. The storyline is good, not great, but who cares? I bought this game because I wanted to blow limbs off with my shotgun, chop heads off with my wing stick, and punch the face off a mutie as he flies through the air at me. Don't judge me. The map isn't very big, compared to the likes of Assassin's Creed or Witcher 3, but it uses the space well, packing it full of fun activities that are, for the most part, varied enough and interesting enough to not feel like you are repeating the same activities over and over. The combat is fluid and mad, the driving is exhilarating, and the vehicle combat is very, very Mad Max, as expected. So far so good, right? Well, there is one thing that is a really big negative with this game. The bugs. There are a crazy amount of issues. I've had crashes, I've had audio problems, I've had issues where I couldn't complete missions because the dialogue action button wouldn't activate, I've had instances where I've completed all requirements for a location to be complete, but I've had to relaunch the game for it to register. There is clipping to no end, enemies popping in and out of existence, explosions in the middle of the road but no vehicle to cause it. In almost all cases where a bug occurs, I've had to relaunch the game. That makes it game-breaking, on an epic scale. For a team like id Software, this is mad. Compare it to Doom and the latest Wolfenstein games, and they are polished to an exceptional level. Still, would I recommend this game? Yes. Do I think Bethesda need to sort their s*** out? Oh yes. Please, sir? What is it, boy? Please, can you sponsor us? What? You could sponsor a show on North Hearts FM that's made for the community, by the community. And let us keep making great content. We're a fledgling station, but one with over 10,000 listeners a month. And it keeps growing. And what's in it for me? Five adverts a day, sir. Plus, the world will get to see your branding at live events, online, and be proudly displayed alongside the show you choose to sponsor on all online content, plus on-air mentions and branding. It won't even be taken out of the shows on Listen Again, 
so your brand will be out there forever. Then how much is that going to cost me? Only £360 a year, sir. Or £30 a month if you just want to run adverts instead of a full sponsor. It isn't more? No, sir. Just head to northartsfm.com for more information or get in touch on Twitter or Facebook. This is brilliant. Show for sale. Show for sale. Oh, oh, hello, hello. Buenas noches, eh? Put the salt in it. Buenos noches. Jumping my car. I wanna take you home. Come on and jump in my car. It's waiting for the walk on your own. Hollow Dell Media's Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. Boo! Uh. Dead, you didn't I? Yeah, that was pretty much the scare maze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, the scare maze at Sheffield was built up a little bit, wasn't it? Yes, I've done something similar. I did something called Fear Factory in New Zealand, which was absolutely terrifying. This was a bit sillier. So It was so much sillier. Oh, God. So it was a small sort of tent in the opening bit of Horicon. Uh, we paid to get in. Three quid each. We had to follow a, blindfolded, we had to follow a string around a maze where spooky things will happen to you. Yeah, there there was a man constantly shouting at us, which I think was the zombie who scared me before. And then there was a girl joined in. There's a girl zombie, there was a Mm. clown. Mm. Was that it? Was there someone else? Uh, There might have been something else. Yeah, so we had different experiences. You were at the front of the line, I was was at at the the back. So tell us what happened to you. I at one point, so I was I was crawl, I was pulling myself along on this rope, completely mm-hmm. blindfolded. Yep. There was things attacking us. There's things touching us, which I hate, hate. <laughs> and then I assumed I was going the right way, following the rope. And then I knocked into something, and this massive crash happened. Something sounded like it shattered. Something <laughs> broke, and I was like, ooh, 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 ooh. Was was that was that meant to happen? Uh. And then they kind of awkwardly got over it. Went, no, no, this this way, this way. You know, so then we just kept on going, and then you broke their lunch. <laughs> right at the end, um, they said, "No, grab this, grab my rope," and so I grabbed it, and it was something plastic and naffy. And then a chainsaw sound began, and then they turned all the lights on. This is when they took the things off of us. Okay, and he just had the chainsaw. Did you not get on the chair? I didn't get on the chair. Okay, you got on the chair. Yeah. So here's what happened to me. Right. <laughs> so you and Josh walked off. Oh my God, left you. I didn't realise you walked off, blindfolded. So I stood there for a while. <laughs> That's when I heard the smash. And I heard a voice behind me. Come on, keep up! <laughs> so I started walking along. And I was following the rope. Nothing really happened. Because presumably they were attacking you. Yeah. I think I then caught up with you because I bumped... I think I, we touched hand. Right. Because I remember a moment where... Was that you? Yeah, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, then I lost the rope. Oh, God. Yeah, that happened to me as well. I think it might have been deliberate. Right. I lost the rope, and I just sort of stood there. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And then these 
guiding hands appeared on my shoulders and heard her voice. Very League of Gentlemen voice. You seem a bit lost. Come on, let's go this way. Led me out, spun me around a couple of times, sat me in a rocking chair, said, sit down. And then all these sort of claws were sort of going on my body, like breaking uh... my skin. Quite nice. Uh, I quite liked it. <laughs> it, was, it was fine. And they were like whispering your mind in. I have a good time. I have a good time. Yes, it's rather nice. <laughs> oh my god! And then they got me up and led me straight to the blindfold with the chainsaw bit. Right. End. Okay. I had a really nice experience. It was. It they was... gave me a massage. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, that's amazing. It was pleasant. It was pleasant. I walked pleasant. out of that feeling quite happy. Yeah, I was kind of. <laughs> I left feeling exhilarated and cheery, and you got a massage. I smashed something. <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, it sums it all up, really, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well. Let's play K Sarah Sarah by Doris Day. Yeah. Hollow Dell Media's Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. Before we kick off with the fun stuff, we just want to pay our respects to Doris Day, who, at time of recording, passed a few days back. A true legend of song and screen. Pillow Talk, The Glass Bottom Boat, Love Me or Leave Me, Love Her Come Back. I must confess, I'm not overly familiar with her films. Although she is a true icon. Yes, she was um, one of the first sort of strong-willed women on screen, I believe. A lot of her characters wouldn't fall for the cad scoundrel type. She would know when when to move away. And yeah, just a class act all around. Oh, fantastic. Setting standards for today. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. A lot of tributes from some pretty famous people as well. Well respected. Moving on. Uh, welcome to Fortnite Schmort Night. Uh, what should we kick off with? I tell you what, we'll kick off with Midsummer. Midsummer. So a new trailer has been released. For those who don't know, Midsummer is brought to us by the same people who did Hereditary, the best film of 2018. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did not fare well with that at the cinema, as old listeners will know. <laughs> Screwed me up something rotten. PDST, I mean they call it. Yeah. This time around, they're giving a story about four 20-something Americans, one of which is played by the mighty Will Poulter of Bandersnatch fame. Eyebrows. Eyebrows, yeah. So they go to a sort of pagan Swedish cult festival. A real um, thing? Yeah. Instantly. Yeah, which is terrifying. Um, it seems like it's all dancing and blue skies and magical drinks at first, but then it gets a bit weird... There's a disemboweled bear on a table. They're tripping <laughs> out. It's all going wrong. But I'm going to take a chance and watch this at the cinema because it looks a bit silly. Silly is an interesting term, I think. Do you reckon? I reckon it's going to be. It's going to be sort of a modern. Uh, like Wicker Man or something? Wicker Man, that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. It's also starring a Florence Pugh. Oh, yes. Who's who that? Who is a rather good actress. Huh. English. She was in. Um, Fighting with my family. She's really, really oh, good. Oh, okay. And I was watching the trailer like, I know her. And it's really, really bugging me. I had to look her up. Yeah, I'm going to give this a try because even the, the trailer of Hereditary scared me and this didn't, so I think I might be alright. Okay, alright. Right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Might um, be in for a shock. I'm looking forward to this one a lot. Um, Disney. Disney. Disney, Disney, Disney. So they're flinging CGI remakes at us like flaming ape turds at the moment, <laughs> aren't they? So Jungle Book, Lion King, Aladdin, and this is the first I've heard of it. They're doing 101 Dalmatians. What? Why? Which really annoys me because they've already got one. 
1996. Fantastic live action 101 Dalmatians. Do you know what bugs me about stuff like this and Jungle Book as well? Is you're just replacing animation with animation. Yeah, I don't see the point. But this one, they've already. This one is like the third one. Yeah. And uh, Emma Thompson is playing Cruella Deville, right? Ooh. Interesting choice. Yeah. You say that, but Glenn Close was Cruella Deville. Did you ever ever watch that film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was the embodiment of that character. Do you know who I always imagined as Cruella Deville? Who was the. the neighbour in Birds of a Feather. Oh, that really crowy one. Yeah. Yes. That's I that in my head she is Cruella oh, Deville. Yeah, she'd be very good. Oh, I can't remember her name now. Hmm. Doris. Um, I don't know if there's any Mortal Kombat fans out there. Huh? There. Uh, 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 yeah. There's Tim Allen. Here. I didn't know about this either, but uh, James Wan is directing. Which I think is a really good combination. So you've got Saw. So wait, what? Mortal Kombat film? Yeah. Ooh. Film. Film of Mortal Kombat. James Wan, director of Saw and Aquaman. So you've got what Mortal Kombat is essentially. Mm. Strong fighty man combined with intense horrific gore. So it's kind of like the perfect <laughs> director they've chosen. Yeah. Which is really interesting. And he's got like Fast and Furious 7 under his belt as well. So he's a well-equipped director for the, for the task. Do you like a good fatality? Fatality. Uh, uh, yeah, I do. Do you know what I l- always preferred, though? What? A little man who pops up. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's he? <laughs> if he's voiced by Ryan Reynolds, I'm in. Oh, yeah. Well, he's doing everything right now, isn't he? <laughs> um, speaking of beat-em-ups, have you seen a new Black Mirror trailer? I have. It's very good. Yeah. Or do you not really know what's going on enough to be able to judge whether it's good or not? Well, part of that, but I think I do wonder if Black Mirror is starting to lose relevance. A I think, bit. yeah, I think it should come to a close to keep its goodness intact. Because a lot of people complained last time that it was a bit too American y. Yeah. And it's even more now. I like, yeah, the reason I said the beat em up thing, there's a weird bit where I think oh, there yes. is some better than life Tekken yeah. thing where oh, they're totally. fighting each other. I got uh, really Ready cool. Player One vibes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's got uh, it's got some big stars in it. It's got Andrew Scott, Anthony Mackie, Andrew Scott, Anthony Mackie. Which one's the one who was in Sherlock? Andrew Scott? Why not? Yeah. He's very good. He is very good. Um, Moriarty. Yeah, Moriarty. Yeah, he's going to be one. And he's getting fed up with people using phones all the time. He just mm. loses it. I love that. You know, the best thing you have, I was showing that trailer to Josh, and he mm. was testing. Oh, so it's like, how <laughs> ironic what's going on and uh, Miley Cyrus I hear when the producers asked her if she wanted to be involved she came in like a wrecking ball we're not playing wrecking ball it's the perfect not, set it's the not. perfect setup. no we're not playing wrecking ball it's a good song you can play it at home if you want I will play it at home <laughs> play your stupid other we're gonna play Black Mirror song the music from the trailer Lonely Feelings by... I came in like a wreck! Jibmo. A nasty bunch of wrongs there. Filthy online trolls. They'll tell you that you're ugly, but take it on the nose. You'll see their insults coming. Alerts will come at once. But you really need not worry, because they're all a bunch of... Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Adam... 
Yes. As when this comes out, as when this comes out, as when, as when this mm. comes out, uh, Game of Thrones would have finished. At our point of recording, we still have one episode to go. The last episode did not go down well with a lot of people. No, I've heard. Mm, people were annoyed with certain plot strands that got sort of buried. Uh, they didn't like demises of certain people. They didn't like certain decisions that were taken within the course of the story. Uh, so much so that they did something, didn't they, the fans? Yeah, the fans. Some of the fans. Inverted comma, yeah. Um, so being someone who's not really familiar with Game of Thrones properly, uh, I've still picked up quite a lot of disappointment and how things seem a bit rushed. Yeah. So, and partly partly because, presumably, um, there's no book. There's no book to fall back on. I was on. saying this earlier, yeah. Um, they don't have source material, mm. so they're winging it. And they've crammed what should have been a 10-episode series into six episodes for this one. And everything feels extremely rushed. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much the reason behind this petition. On Change.org right now, there's Remake Game of Thrones Season 8 with competent writers. I mean, put your handbags away. Well, With yeah. competent writers this time. Let me read the uh, the thing. David Menioff and D.B. Weiss have proven themselves to be woefully incompetent writers when they have no source material to fall back on. Subvert my expectations and make it happen, HBO. Subvert my expectations. Currently, as of uh, speaking, as of recording, there are 851,071 people that have signed this petition. All right, all right, all right. When I first found this, it was 200. Here's the thing, right? Hmm. It is rushed. They have made mistakes, but it wasn't terrible. Some of it was absolutely incredible. They have made some errors, and it's not the worst thing in the world by any stretch of the imagination. I really enjoyed the last episode. Maybe in my head, I was expecting things to go a bit differently. More character involvement, more of a fight, but... yeah. Do you know, I've just, I've just read on. There is so much awful crap going on in the world to escape into things like oh. Star Wars and Game of Thrones. We fans invested a wealth of passion and time into the series. I've been watching religiously since season two myself. I've read all the books and eagerly await the next two. I love the story and I, like most of you, was crushed to see how the last season, and season seven, let's be real, has been handled. Oh, for the love of God, get a life and go outside. Seriously, like, this is ridiculous. It's a TV show. It's awesome. It's amazing. We love it. But come on. In closing, I didn't make this petition to be entitled Whiny Fan. Um... I made it because I was immensely disappointed and needed to vent. Do I have a solution? I've got plenty of ideas. (laughs) But no. Oh, and any thank you everyone for signing this silly thing as if to say... God, you know. It's the same with the Star Wars one as well. The thing is, if you don't like something, make it yourself. I do a bit that's of fan how, fiction. That's thing. how George R. R. Martin probably started. Hmm. He just wrote the thing that he liked. Just shut up. Shut up. Yeah, so, so lame. Fans are the worst people. Like, genuinely, <laughs> fans are the worst people. It's the casuals you want. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Any final thoughts on that? Just yeah, just just take it. It's it's all right. It's not the ending we would have wanted, maybe, but it's fine. Yeah, whatever. Let's go back to the show. I'm just a sweet scream bucket. 
Adam's Film Reviews, John Wick 3, Parabellum, 2019. Jonathan, what have you done? To dream the impossible dream. There's no escape for you. The high table wants your life. To write the unwritable wrong. Tell me what you want. Passage. I can't help you. To reach the unreachable star. Do you expect him to make it out? A $40 million bounty on his head. And everyone in the city wants a piece of it. I say the odds are about even. Dark, five seconds. John Wick, excommunicado, in effect, in three, two, one. And away we go. John Wick 3 Parabellum is the third instalment in the John Wick franchise. Directed by Chad Stiles... This happens every week. Stalelski, John Wick 3 kicks off immediately after the end of Chapter 2, a film I found fairly dull and repetitive until the final 10 minutes. Here, John is branded excommunicado. Essentially, he's outlawed from the criminal underworld, losing all privileges and access to support from a global network of wrong-uns. With a vast bounty on his head, John disappears into the New York streets, aware of hundreds of eyes watching his every step. Parabellum does not ease you in gently. This is the situation John is in, and Christ Almighty, that's where the audience starts too. We are almost immediately ushered in to the ultra-violent and shockingly brutal violence as John is confronted by hitman after hitman. The moment he takes one down, he turns a corner and bang, he's facing down another gang of hired goons. Whether he's in the New York Public Library, a mysterious set of stables in the middle of Manhattan, or just walking along the street, he's facing extreme odds, and we're with him for every blow. Along the way though, John is able to pick up a handful of items, including a crucifix necklace that he takes to a mysterious director. A woman who is implied raised John, or at the very least, trained him in his fighting prowess. Trading in the crucifix, John is given transportation to Casablanca, Morocco, where he sets out to meet another old acquaintance to help track down the one man who might be able to undo the mess John has found himself in, known only as the Elder. Meanwhile, back in New York, an agent of the High Table has begun to track and punish anyone seen to have helped John in his quest for revenge across the earlier films. But as the pieces on the chessboard fall into place, John teams up with yet another mysterious woman from his past. This time, Sophia, a woman who owes a debt and also happens to participate in the best action sequence I've seen in years. Just a question, why on earth would the military in Jurassic World want to train velociraptors for war when dogs are clearly the ultimate killing machine already? But that's sort of it really, I can't describe every action sequence in the film to you, apart from to say that John Wick is a masterpiece in choreography. Tempos switch and change before, after and during each savage fight to the death, with some quick laughs and some disturbingly accurate crunches here and there. Also, John Wick, though mostly infallible, does fail a bit in this film. He does get beaten up and I appreciate that. Actually, that's something to say as well. This is a film that's made for its sound design. 
Every moment, every twist of the knife is accompanied by fierce and deliberate sound. And it made me grin from ear to ear. This is a film that's 90% sound effects. The other 10% is, as far as I can tell, smashing glass. And I wouldn't want it any other way. If I had to find a low point, it would be the moment that John sets out into the desert. The filmmakers may as well put a sign up that said, now was the time to go on a toilet break, but this is quickly put back in its place the moment we return to New York. So, no harm done. Honestly, this is a film you need to go and see in the cinema. You don't even need to have seen the first two. Just be prepared to deal with some very savage violence right off the bat. We're not going in like the old days. Just a conversation. Nothing's ever just a conversation with you, John. Bohemian Rhapsodies, this is your man Carfell on I just thought a really cool rad new idea for a movie. Lost Boys, let's go surfing. We're gonna be hunting vampires on the waves, bro. We're gonna be surfing, there's gonna be vampire sharks, there's gonna be vampire surfers, but then we'll ride the vampire sharks and we'll kill the vampires with them. It's gonna be totally radical, dude! Hit me up. I'm gonna be the next Harkon. I'm gonna be promoting the movie. I love you all. Watch my video. Watch my glittery jacket. I love you all. Peace out, man. Harkon. More, Hark- more Harkon. More Harkon. Yeah, we're gonna keep flinging him out. Yeah. Um, one of my favourite cult actors was present. I initially went with the intention of getting a picture with him or something. Yeah, but cues. And money. Q's money, no. Yeah. <laughs> but what we did get a freebie of was a Q&A session. Yes. And in he came, like a golden Christmas decoration, <laughs> glittery and tinselly, with aviators on, or some form of high-end sunglasses. I have to say, he fit my vision of him to a T. Absolutely. That was what I imagined a mental Hollywood person would look like. 100%. Yes. When he sat down inside talking... He was much more charming than I expected. Very charming, very likeable, very nice. Very humble as well. Very humble. And also, I noticed that he almost sounded British. Yeah. I wonder if he was, like, emulating the interviewer. Yeah, perhaps. Like, just puts on these things. Actoring. Yeah, yeah. No, he was really interesting. And his insight into some of the films he worked on was really quite yeah. impressive. He talked about one which was... He flew over to Spain and it was all Spanish cast and crew called The Birthday... Which yes. I'd never heard of before. No, no one had. And it's one of his proudest projects. And he was talking about how it was set in America, so he had to kind of help them with American culture to sort yeah. of make the film more real, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. But now it's still, you can't really find it anywhere. No. He, you... he recommended we go to Amazon.de, the yeah. German, German Prime site to watch it. Yeah. And that was prompted by an audience question, wasn't it? Yeah, and he, he asked, stick your hands up if you've, if you've heard of this film, and they were the only two people. Yeah, and he said, well, marketing team. Yeah. Mm. Um, it was interesting hearing about his experience on The Burbs. Yeah, he didn't enjoy it. He hated it. Not so much because of the environment, but because he felt outclassed. That's the vibe I got. See, he was working with some really, like, quite Tom famous... Hanks. That's the big one, isn't it? Yeah. Some of which had done Saturday Night Live or something like that, and they were just 
laying out zingers like nothing. And it, yeah. And Corey, what have you got? Mm. I don't know. I'm playing a stoner. Yeah, I act. All yeah. I do is act. Yes. But during the audience questions, I put my hand up. And the man, the man running the show, he pointed at me. But Corey already started talking to someone else. Yeah. Which is the worst thing because I had the ultimate question. What were you going to ask? I was going to ask, Corey, how much involvement did you have in Ascension Millennium? Uh... You weren't aware of it until earlier, were you? No, so Adam just showed me Corey Feldman's music uh, career in one video. <laughs> um, a single shot, four minute, four and a half minute uh, day in the life of Corey Feldman. He wakes up in bed with one gorgeous woman and then another gorgeous woman appears in another room. He walks them downstairs to like a pool party and he, via Sean Astin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's <laughs> pouring over a map and then uses an inhaler, Alagoonies. And then... Um, very badly choreographed moves. Some weird Michael Jackson bit where no one's doing the same thing. No, everyone's doing a different dance. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do one take, fair enough. You might have to do it a few times. Did they just do it once? Yeah, they did. <laughs> the camera's constantly going out of focus. There's a bit when they first go outside where the kid's head is halfway off the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The camera doesn't know where it's pointing yeah. at. Yeah. Then he makes a, someone makes a chef with a chef hat is in his kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Makes him some egg. And he sits and watches the TV and then goes up to bed with the woman. Oh, via oh, a green screen room where he's playing with his band who look bored. Yeah. Bored and disinterested. They're not on the stage. Yeah, the stage in the background. Yeah. <laughs> What? So I wanted to ask Jim how much creative involvement he had in that. And we'll never know. No. Never know. But we will know what the song sounds like. Play it. Ascension Millennium. Stream Bucket on Nofat FM. People. Jason or Freddy? Freddy. Uh, Michael Myers or Freddy? Freddy. Mm. Jigsaw. Freddy, 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 Freddy. Okay. Freddy. All right. Uh, fair enough. I agree. Good. Yeah. Freddy Krueger might be my favourite slasher, classic slasher horror character. Uh, yes. He's without a doubt. certainly the most charismatic of all of them. Yeah, he's charming. He's funny. He's sassy. Yep. He has some of the best quotes. Definitely. And I do like a chatty villain, I think. Mm, mm. Um, doesn't really get into his full role, though, until... Dream Warriors? Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, correct. Oh. There's a story about uh, a bunch of kids who locked up in an insane asylum, basically team up and try to fight Freddy. Such a cool idea. So you've got one kid who loves D&D, he becomes a wizard to fight him off. You've got another character called Taryn, who becomes like a sort of Mad Maxi punk woman, warrior woman. Yeah, I've seen, seen the pictures. Yeah, played by Jennifer Rubin. We know her now, don't we? We do know her now, don't we? Yes. Yes, we don't. We do know we, her. We do know, yes, what? Mm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> she was at Horicon uh, last weekend. So I, uh, you showed me some clips for research purposes. Of yes. The, mm. Research purposes, yes. yes. Did you have a massive research purpose for her? Throughout as a my teenager? teens, yes, yes, indeed. I had okay. a, a thorough. Did you have a raging a re- flop, research purpose? Robbing research purpose. Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we sort of, so we sort of expected, hopefully, we'd get a photo with her, maybe, or something signed, or something. Yeah. Um, but 
again, time, key, money. Mm. Mm. That's the equation, isn't it? That yeah. you can't get around. Absolutely. Unless you go to a karaoke after party. Unless you go to a karaoke after party. When we're sitting outside the bar, enjoying some of the sunshine, uh, I see someone I know. A girl called Holly. I know her from Instagram. She's in like a horror community. Walking in with Ed O'Neill. The Texas Chainsaw Man. The, the, the hitchhiker. hitchhiker from the Texas who had the best Q&A of the entire weekend. And fascinating, fascinating dude. And talking about indie filmmaking, talking about the horrors and nightmares of making Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, so good. Really spoke to us, I think, especially. So she comes in with him. She sits in the bar. I see Sean Pertwee come and sit with her and her mum. What? What? So I walked over and said, what... How, what what are you doing? How how did you walk in with Ed O'Neill and Sean Pertwee comes to you to talk to you? Yeah. And she said, it's more than that. Turn around. And there was Jennifer Rubin on a table. Yeah. What's going on? What is going on with this night? The begins the one of the weirdest nights ever. Yeah, weirdest, most fantastic. So at this point, the drinks are flowing and we're getting to the line I like to call karaoke confidence line <laughs> when you cross that bar and you're ready to jot the name down. Alright, yeah. Uh Josh put me down he tried to put me down for Venga Boys, but instead put me down for Come on Eileen. Yep. Quite disastrous. But we'll move past it. <laughs> then uh you crack on with jump in my car. Again another Josh uh, voluntary job. Yeah, and then uh, a wild card song happens where you it was gonna be someone else, then you forced Josh's name into it yeah so there was a competition to win a dvd copy of mandy which i've reviewed on the show before um and a and a pin badge that i'm very jealous of nicholas cage pin um the competition was to do a wild card where they pick the song you sing it you get a copy of mandy um someone else was going to go forward but i managed to persuade the guy to pick josh because i think they were aware that he kept putting us down right um, so they got him on and he got Purple Rain Prince and it said on the karaoke screen in the style of Prince and I said that to Josh and the guy said no 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 any style you want and he chose a style he chose blood metal satanist <laughs> and went full pelt a full pelt Purple Rain Purple The crowd were going insane, but the, the his biggest fan, and he won her heart, was Jennifer Rubin. <laughs> yeah, she actually took my phone off me to record Josh with me laughing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, won the hearts and minds of the entire crowd. Uh, so we ended up talking to Jennifer Rubin because she was so amazed at our performance. So much so when we then did Bohemian Rhapsody as a group... She loved it. She absolutely loved it. And she came and talked to us more. And we then got into a full conversation with Jennifer Rubin. I wish I could remember the conversation because I was so drunk. It went everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. She's got a very varied background. She does a lot by yeah. the sounds of it. Um, yeah. She, yeah, yeah I can't even get over it. Talking to this icon of horror movies. And... She was so, so wonderful. That was the greatest thing. She's so... Oh, she's just one of us, it felt yeah. like. She yeah. was as drunk as we were. We were, talk, we were drunkenly saying... I remember drunkenly saying to you guys afterwards, 
Oh, do you know what? We should go and visit her in LA. Do you think if we're in the neighbourhood, we'll just call her up and be like, Jennifer, can we come over? And then I woke up the oh, next day. I forgot about like, that conversation. Yeah, and I was like, no, let's <laughs> definitely not do that. God. Oh, God. Yeah, what a weird. Yeah. I, I absolutely loved it. Although, did you hear that guy try to undermine us? Yeah, I remember you saying. he. Some guy took offence to us. He uh, he pulled Jennifer away and said, these guys are full of it. Yeah. And she came back to me and went, that guy just said you're all full of it. I said, what? what? Never seen this guy before in my life. He was yeah. sort of trying to downplay us because presumably we were talking to a celeb. No, I, yeah, I think it was that and we were the bells of the ball. We we did so <laughs> well. overstating No, we were the bells of the ball apart from the celebrities because we did so good at the karaoke. We did have a woman come up to us and say, you guys need to come back. Yeah, that's what we want to hear every week and we're like you mean even Hertfordshire actually. oh yeah, yeah <laughs> so now, oh I don't put it against you um, <laughs> that northern humour oh yeah we had the most incredible time and then I mean we haven't even spoken about knocking out almost knocking out a comic book salesman with a microphone yeah but <laughs> well I tell you what I'm going to put a video together and put it on our Hollowdale Media YouTube channel so you might even be able to see it Witness the carnage that was Horicon <laughs> through our lens. Uh, I'll obviously be promoting on Twitter, so look out for it, I guess. Yeah. The other, there was another weird thing, though. What was that? Well, we've been making a film, haven't we? A horror film. Yeah, horror film. The reason we went up there was... Mm. The... And I was uh, mulling over some soundtrack ideas, uh, and one of them was Swamp Thing by The Grid. Oh, this was weird. A sort of techno banjo... 90s thing. Very obscure. Very, yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, pretty much. And I was suggesting it for a scene that's particularly harrowing as a sort of comedy juxtaposition thing. On Saturday, we were having some lunch, some early lunch, in the canteen, and Josh just perks his ears up and says, Adam, what's this song playing in the background? We could just hear banjos. Insane. The song... I suggested as a joke for our horror film was playing at Horicon. A sign from Satan himself. A sign. A sign of destiny. Mm. So much so I'm going to put it on right now. Oh yes. Swamp Thing by The Grid. You have one message. Message one. Hello Scream Bucket. It's uh, Freddy Krueger here. I I just want to apologise for not showing up at Horicon. I know there was one little kid in a sort of hat, but it wasn't the same. There were loads of Jasons. Don't like Jason. Loads of Michaels with its stupid accent. And there was that dream warrior there. She was a bit off-putting, but it was all a bit... It wasn't so fun. It wasn't fun enough. Anyway, next year, we'll, we'll switch it about a bit. Maybe you can go as Freddy, and I'll just possess you. What, how about that? Anyway, catch you later. And that was the show. That was the show. A very Bean short bucket. show. On Nopat FM. Our new People. format is um, not quite used to it. Yeah, well, screw it, man. We're big now. We've got to evolve we've and got, sort of find our way, I think. We can do what we want. We're friends with Sean Pertwee <laughs> and Jennifer Rubin. <laughs> um, yeah, a bit shorter, a bit more snappy. Yeah. Hopefully you liked it. Do give us some feedback, though, and let us know how you felt it went. Um, we, I think, I think we're... Entering into a time when we're going to start playing with the format to find what works a bit more. Yeah. I think we got into a routine before that 
felt a bit slow. 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 Sluggish. Yes. I did like the quiz we did last week. Maybe we should do yeah, more. Yeah, we'll of do that. some more quizzes, do some more fun stuff. And we're going to be getting more guests on. Yes. Yeah. In fact, there's one really pressing one that I need to sort out very soon. Yes, do that. Do that. Big one. Mm. Big name. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, is there anything we're looking forward to? Um, yeah, obviously you just reviewed it, but I really enjoyed uh, Detective Pikachu. Eh. But it, was, it wasn't perfect. I Even I will admit that it mm. wasn't perfect. But, I think um, it was... Well, yeah, you've heard it already. Yeah. It just wasn't what I thought it would be. What I would briefly say about it is the opening scene where you're following the Pidgeys and Pidgeotos and Pidgeots mm. and it's in that little town. Yes. That, I was like... <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can yeah. totally see that. Um, but coming up is the only other film that I put in that tier of excitedness for the rest of the year for me, Godzilla. Mm. I'm a big Godzilla man. Are you? I'm a big Godzilla man. Oh, he's Godzilla. Robert. Oh dear, borderline, borderline. <laughs> um, but yeah, can't wait for that. Yeah, a hundred percent. That does look good. When's that coming out? Uh, I, I I could say May twenty fifth, but I could be lying. If it's May twenty fifth, that's the same date as the new series of Archer, and that's set in space. What else is May the twenty fifth? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we've been making a horror film. And we've been using actors for the last three, two shoot dates. Two shoots. Um, the first shoot got rained off, so we couldn't finish it on the night. Uh, so we put it off a bit, and now it's coming up. The yeah. 25th, the it's... final shoot date. Yeah, a week away, man. Uh, as, you, as you'll be hearing it, it'll be two days away. Yes. Um, on the first uh, playing of this show. We, have done, we are the least prepared we've been so far. We're going to do well. I've got to say, though, we shouldn't be too scared because we were going to film this on the first night. This is true. I mean, we've we've made some changes to what we're doing. I guess there's that. And if anything, this is an insurance night because we can now reshoot some bits. Yep, it's that all didn't good. come out properly. So I think it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. Yes. And then after that, we get into the puppets. Mm. And that's where things are going to be uh, a real learning curve, I think. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Sorry, Mom. I just, yes. I just turned off. <laughs> I just went... Um, yes, and we'll be... I think we'll be talking a bit more about puppetry and effects later on. Um, until then, do check us out at Hollowdale Media on Twitter for more updates. Because um, we'll be posting all sorts of stuff as we do it. So if you're interested in our filmmaking, head over there. Okay, so we've tried to have themed episodes with a couple... One slipping between. We've got some planned up ahead in the future to match sort of timings and things and holidays and festivals. But in between, I've got an idea, Rob. Oh, go on. I think we should try and challenge ourselves to meet the theme requirements. I'm thinking you should go over to that bookcase behind me. Okay. Choose a book, any book. Just fill in the gap. I bought a, a Razorhead poster in the one of the antique shop places in Hitchin. Really good. Really impressive. Anyway, Rob's chosen a book. What have you chosen, Rob? I've chosen Coward on the Beach by James Dellingpole. Very good. It's a sort of slightly tongue-in-cheek World War II action story. Yeah. I want you to flick through the pages of this book. And I shall say stop. 
and then run your finger over the lines until you find a word. Stop. Oily sized. Oily. Oil. Oil. The theme of next, the next show will be oil. Ah. Oh. And it's your pick. So Rob's going to go away and have a think about an oil film for us to watch and discuss in the next show. Do we have, just as a quick one, does the whole thing have to be about oil? Can it just be the film? I don't want us to pick oil. I think, I think just Imagine picking ten oil songs. Greasy <laughs> uh, lover. <sighs> Grease. <laughs> just Grease the musical. <laughs> well, you've got Greasy Strangler. Yeah, that's true. Ooh. Okay, that was the show. Yes, it was. What a lovely show it was. Yes, lots of horaton chat. Mm. And I hope we have persuaded you to join us in embarking on the quest up to Sheffield come 2020. Yes, indeed. And do check out our behind the scenes video that will be on the Holodell Media YouTube channel. And yeah. we'll be promoting it all over Twitter. So make sure you're following us at screen underscore bucket on Twitter, and also at Hollowdale Media, if you want to see more of what we're up to. Yes, please do. Please do. Please do. Please, Anything else? Please do. Anything else? Uh, Matt from Electric Black's here. Come and say hello. Hey! That'll do. Yeah. That's a plug, right? <laughs> Cheers, man. He lives in the cupboard. Yeah, we keep him here. He never left. I drank to sleep. Shut up! <laughs> Get back in your cave! Uh, yeah, tune in to the next episode where we'll be talking about our final actor and actress shoot. And your very special surprise mystery film choice oh, based on the word God oily. God's sake. Oil. For God's sake. If I knew what you were doing, I would have picked a funner word. Well, it was a random choice. You can yeah. pick the word. That's the point. A random choice that plummeted our show into the bloody pits. Oil. Oil. Oil ocean. It'd be awesome. Anyway, see you again later. That was Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. You learned about movies, now remember your job. There was TV and games and other stuff too. And now that we've shared it, we've finished with you. Oh, it's coming out like a diglet out of the ground. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't know enough. Uh, uh, I held onto her like a shelled on a snowpoke. Slowpoke. <laughs> she was the only woman who could make me soft as a ditto and hard as an onyx at the same time. Oh, you got up a hand here. Hang on. She had lips like a jinx. And hair like a tangler. Um, he was sharp, real sharp, like a cipher on heat. I poked her slow, and then I poked her bro. <laughs> uh, uh, what are the other ones? I was dry. Dry like a geodude. 
She had hemorrhoids like a dog trio. Yes. She has a, she has a mouth that just won't quit. Yes! <laughs> and I make her Persian. Per? She made me wheedle. <laughs> is this what's happening now? You're just doing this. Yeah, I guess this is the show. For six hours. She winked at me like a star me. <laughs> oh! She gave me the biggest Q boner you've ever seen. And then she marrow whacked me off. <laughs> she made me horsey. You could say her hands were big, but they tore us a new one. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Bellsprout coming up and I was like, who's going to get there first? 